Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. We serve a wonderful God. Can you say amen to that? We're talking today about breaking free, and we're going to be talking about this for the next several weeks. We're talking about understanding the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, what we have when we get saved. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. Hey, I want to ask you a question. What are you looking forward to this week? What are you looking forward to this week? I'll tell you what I look forward to all week long. Being here and seeing Jose Miano with that wonderful smile, that wonderful personality, and the fact that his wife makes him that way. Can you say amen to that? I'm just, it's great to see you. It's just wonderful. I, I, I look forward to being in church every single week. I love to be with God's people. Tonight, connection classes are taking place. I'm excited about connection classes. I get to actually teach one this week. And so I am excited about connection classes because you get to interpersonally, you get to talk to people, you get to interact with people. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to this week spending time with my grandchildren again. I love to, to be able to get together. We've been singing a song uh, together. It's called Let the Sun Shine In. You know that song? It's an old song actually written in 1940. 54 and uh, made on the pop charts in 1954 was number eight. In 1966, it was re-recorded by Pebbles and Bam Bam Flintstone. <laughs> and it hit the top of the charts when it, when it was done by them. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, it's a song. It's a, a talking about the fact that uh, Mama, in fact, it goes, Mama told me something a little boy should know. It's all about the devil. Ooh, I learned to hate him so. She said, he causes trouble. If you let him in your room, he will never, never leave you. If your heart is filled with gloom, so let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. Smilers never lose. Frowners never win. So let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. Open up your heart and let the sun shine in. It's a wonderful thing to, to know Jesus. Can you say amen to that? We have so much to look forward to. I know, I deserve applause for that wonderful song. The fact of the matter is we have so much. Here's what we do. We look forward to something and look forward to something and look forward to something. Then when we're in the midst of it, we can't wait till it gets over with. Some of you are saying, when's this going to be done? I want lunch or a late brunch or something. So you look forward to something. You look forward. A mom looks forward to having a baby, and then she has the baby, and she says, oh, Lord, please let this baby grow up. You look forward to kids being teenagers, and then you say, what was I looking forward to? You look forward to, you look forward to them finally getting married and get out of the house, and then you say, oh, my house is so empty. You, the devil gets us in that trap. We have so much that we should look forward to. Let's just enjoy what God has given us. Let's look forward to what God's given to us and then enjoy what God's given to us. That's what life is all about. We need to learn to enjoy the life that God has given to us. We need to understand what God has given to us. We need to understand the great privilege we have of representing God in what we do and what we say. Paul the apostle was called of God 
called of God to be used by God to, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One man, God said, I want you to take the message of the gospel and I want you to go to all the Gentile nations and I want you to preach to the Gentile nations. And Paul had this thought that he, was, he knew he was called of God to be a messenger of God. In fact, the truth, of, the, the truth that is true about the apostle Paul is also true about you and me. And we need to understand that. And as we're going through this series called Breaking Free, I want you to grab a hold of the truth that God has called you to be a messenger, just like he called the Apostle Paul. So I want you to say something with me. I want you to uh, look up on the screen, and I want, I'm going to read this to you, and then I want you to read it along with me. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. What a wonderful statement. Let's, let's read it together. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. Now, I want you to get that in your mind, and let's read it one more time. We're going to do it two more times, actually, so that you can just get the thoughts in your mind. And I want you to speak these words. I want them to become part of your life. Let's say it together. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing what God has done for you? Now, you, you've got it down. You've got the words down. So let's do it with some enthusiasm like you're, like you're in a speech contest or something. Okay, here we go. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. That is what Paul is about to say. In fact, in Galatians chapter, in Galatians chapter 1, the Bible says this way. Verse 1, Galatians chapter 1, Paul, we talked about who Paul was. He was a Pharisee. He's now been converted. He now has become the small one who wants to exalt the great one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Did they impossible? And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Now let's stop there. Let me show you what he's saying. It, Paul, on his second missionary tour, left uh, a place called Jerusalem, and he traveled up to Syria, and then he crossed across to Tarsus, where he was born. Then he headed across this area, known as Galatia. It was an area where of, it was a Roman Empire, it was part of the Roman Empire, and it, it, it went from here all the way to the top. Uh, Galatia had cities in it, Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. Paul stopped in every one of these places, and he preached the gospel. In fact, he was persecuted. Later, he would go to the, to the top part of Galatia, but that's where Galatia is, and I just want you to know that. That is modern Turkey. Uh, that, is where, uh, that is where Paul was called to 
uh, to preach. So he went there and he preached. He established these churches. In the while he was in those churches, he was persecuted. In fact, the Jewish leaders of those towns uh, hated him, uh, wanted him stoned to death. They took him outside. Uh, I believe it was in, in, uh, uh, it was in uh, a Derby. They took him outside of the town and they stoned him to death and left him dead. And then he, came, he, he got up and he walked back into town and he preached to them one more time. I think if they stoned me and thought I was dead, I would leave. Uh, but he went back, he preached the gospel, and people got saved, and they started a church. So there's all sorts of churches there in that area. He's not just writing to one church, he's writing to the churches of Galatia uh, in this area. So he says, he says uh, I'm writing to, unto the churches of Galatia. Then he says this, grace be to you and peace. Peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. That's an amazing statement that Jesus gave himself for our sins. The idea is that he exchanged, it's an exchanging term, he exchanged his life for our sins so that we could have his life. Amazing. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever. Amen. There are seven amazing words that the Apostle Paul uses in this introduction to these churches that he's writing to in Galatia. And I want you to, to see these seven powerful, powerful words that when we speak them, when we live them, will transform our lives. Father, I pray you'll use... Um, this message, to challenge us to be what you want us to be. Father, may we be those messengers. May we understand that you want us to be messengers, just like you wanted Paul to be. And Father, may we deliver your message of peace and grace and love to those that are around us. May it just radiate, radiate from our lives and our lips. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First word I want you to see here is the word apostle. The word apostle means a messenger. It's one sent forth with orders. He's got particular job that he's supposed to do from his, from his superior. He's supposed to go forth. He says in verse 1, look at this. He says, not of man, neither by man. He is not speaking a message. He's not sent from man, and he's not got a message that man is, is, is going to receive very well. Men like to be puffed up and be built up. He's got to tell them, that, listen, you're sinners and you need to get saved. He, he's not sent by any man. He is sent, he says, specifically by God. Now, how do we know that he was sent by God? Because we know the story. We know that the Apostle Paul was one who hated the church, and we, we saw that last week, and he was against the church of Jesus Christ, and he was against the working of, of church. He was, he was out to persecute Christians, and he was involved in the persecution of Christians. And he left <clears throat> Jerusalem to go to Damascus, where he was going to imprison uh, Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to put them on trial. And on the way, and we saw this last week, he met Jesus, and Jesus met him, and, and he said, what do you want me to do? He said, you go to Damascus, and when you get to Damascus, I'll have a message for you in Damascus. Well, when he got to Damascus, God came to a man named Ananias. And, and Jesus said to Ananias, Ananias, there's a guy named Saul who is come to town, and I've got a, I, I, I want you to go, and I want you to talk to him, and I want you to tell him uh, about me, and I want you to give him a message from me. Well, Ananias had heard of Saul. <clears throat> he knew that Saul was coming 
to that town to persecute him and to persecute all Christians. And so he says, God, wait a minute, uh, could, let me explain to you something. Isn't it interesting how we need to explain to God what's going on? So he said, to, he said God, uh, you need to understand that, that this guy, is, um, uh, this is Saul of Tarsus. This is the guy that's out persecuting Christians and he's, he's throwing people in jail and, and he's here, come here to do the same thing. And Jesus said, yeah, I know. I, I know that, Ananias, and thanks for the information, but I already know that. <clears throat> and then he says this to Ananias. In, An in Acts chapter 9, he says this. It says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way. Now listen to what he says. For he is a chosen vessel. Now in Galatians, Paul said, uh, Paul, an apostle, I'm sent from God. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. This is his call. Uh, to the, before the Gentiles, before kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He said, I've called him. He's caused others to suffer, and he's going to suffer. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. He's going to suffer. That doesn't mean all Christians have got to suffer. Just saying, he did these things wrong. He's going to suffer for what he's done. But I've called him. I've chosen him. I have a plan for him, and he's going to take the gospel message to the Gentiles. I have a specific plan for his life. Now, I want you to see this, that he had a plan for the Apostle Paul's life, that he was a called out, sent messenger, but you are too. You need to understand that God has a place for you, and God has a message for you, and God wants you to understand that just like Paul was chosen, you have been chosen by God. He allowed you to hear the gospel. You got saved, and God has a plan for you. In fact, <clears throat> let me share with you exactly how you got saved. Here's how you got saved. Theologically, according to the Word of God, this is what happened. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was on this earth, he came, God became a man, he came to this earth, he died on the cross of Calvary. When he died, he said in John chapter 16, when he died, when he went away, he would send another comforter. He said, when I send that other comforter, he's going to be in the world and he's going to reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. This is very important. The Bible tells us that you are a sinner. And because you're a sinner just like me, you are just living your own way. You are separated from God. You're spiritually dead. You can't get in touch with God. You're separated from him. So there's no way that you can turn to God by yourself. There's no way you're going to walk towards God. You're walking away from God. That's your natural condition. That's who you and I are. So how in the world do I get turned around where I'm calling on Jesus? The Bible says, Jesus said, I'm going to send the, the Holy Spirit into the world, all over the world. And, and, and when I die and I'm buried and I rise from the dead, I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to convict the entire world of three things, that they're sinners, that there's a righteous God, and that judgment is coming. At some point in your life, uh, for me it was as a little child, as a little child I, I heard over and over, I, I, I was, my mom told me, pray, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and I was aware of the presence of God, and I knew that I had sinned, and I knew that I was going to be judged. Sometime in your life, you came to that realization. It may have been as a little child like me, 
or it may have been when you were a teenager, or it may have been as a young adult, or it may have been after you were married, but there was a point in your life because the, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to convince everybody in the world, all over the world, that they're, that they're sinners, that there's a righteous God, and judgment's coming. You say, well, I never hear those words. You don't have to hear those words. Here's what happened. One day, you, you understood. Without anybody saying anything to you, you understood what I call the bad news, that you're a sinner, there's a righteous God, and one day you're going to answer to him. Now, when you heard that, when everyone, everyone in the world hears that, everyone knows that, and we can respond one of two ways. We can either say, that's not true, and we can call the Holy Spirit a liar. We can blaspheme the Holy Spirit and say, no, you're a liar. I am not a sinner. There is no God, and judgment is not coming. That's called blaspheming, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's denying the Holy Spirit, and then you wind up being lost, and you go to hell. Or you can respond this way and say, I am a sinner, but what am I going to do about it? I know there's a righteous God. I know that judgment is coming. The Holy Spirit is convicting everyone, and one day the Holy Spirit convicted you. You're a sinner. There's a righteous God, and judgment's coming. When that happened, there was only one way for you to get saved. In in same way the Philippian jailer got saved, in, in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, the Bible says, uh, they, they, they said, he said, what do I have to do to be saved? And the disciples said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Only one way you can get saved. Uh, only one way you can get out of going to hell, and that is asking Jesus to save you. But before that happens, you've got to know that there's a Jesus. So what happens is we, we get convicted that we're sinners, and we cry out to God, and we say, God, I, I don't want to go to hell. I, I, I know I deserve judgment. Uh, God, I, I need your mercy. And when we do that, of our own free will, because God has given every man a free will. When we do that of our own free will, then the Bible tells us that God the Father will draw us to Jesus. In, in John chapter 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, look, here, here I'm walking, I'm convicted all of a sudden that I'm a sinner, that there's a righteous God and the judgment's coming. And I'm thinking, what do, I, uh, what, do I, what do I do about that? And God the Father knows I'm responding right to the Holy Spirit and saying, yes, Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm a sinner, what do I do? God the Father will draw me to Jesus. And somehow, he may use an individual, he may use a church uh, he may use a church altar call. He may use uh, your friend, your neighbor. Somehow he'll get you to Jesus. And Jesus said this in John 6, 30, uh, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. People will ask me, how do I know that I genuinely am saved? My question always is, did you ask Jesus to save you? When did you do that? Well, I can remember asking him to save me when I was 10. I can remember asking him when I was 21. I can remember asking him when I was 18. I can remember, okay, you remember asking him? Jesus said you couldn't have gotten to Jesus unless the Father drew you. And Jesus said if you ask me to save you, he would in no wise cast you out. So you've become a child of God. So the Holy Spirit convicted you that you were a sinner. 
You said, I am a sinner. God the Father said, okay, if you're willing to admit that, I'll get you to Jesus. You got to Jesus. You asked Jesus to save you, and you became a child of God. Now, when you became a child of God, you became his child so that you could be an ambassador, a representative of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says this, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of Christ. That's every believer, every person that's received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have the title of ambassador. In fact, there are three titles, or three words that are used for messenger in the Bible. The first one is the word apostle, that which Paul claimed. He said, I'm an apostle. I'm sent forth with a message. The other word is the word angel. You're an angel. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means uh, you are a messenger of God. The word angel and messenger go hand in hand. So you're an angel. Isn't that wonderful? Look at the person next to you and say, you're an angel. Uh, It's true. You you feel weird doing that? It's okay. It's true. You're an angel. You're a messenger of God. The other word is the word ambassador. You're representing God. You are an apostle. You are sent from God. You are an angel of God. You're a messenger of God. You You are an ambassador. You're a representative of God. That is who you are. And you need to understand that. Just like Paul had a chosen call to go and reach the gospel, God has called you to be a messenger to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to the people in Las Vegas, to the people that are around you. God has called you and called me to be messengers. We have the privilege of being a chosen messenger. So I want you to say this with me. Uh, go put that on too. I am a chosen messenger. Let's say that. I am a chosen messenger. One more time. I am a chosen messenger. Now like you mean it. I am a chosen messenger. Yes, you are. You are a chosen messenger by God. And what are you supposed to talk about? Here's what you're supposed to talk about. Grace. Look in verse 3. It says, grace be unto you and peace. Peace. This is the second word I want you to see. This is an amazing word. This word grace means the merciful, undeserved favor of God. You have been saved by the grace of God. It's not what you deserve. In order to get saved, you must receive what Jesus did, but you must understand that you did nothing to deserve it. You did absolutely nothing to become a child of God. People say, you Christians think you're all all high and mighty. No, we Christians know that we're sinners and we deserve to go to hell, but we get to go to heaven because of God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, well, I got here because uh, I did this wonderful thing. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, well, I was a Sunday school teacher. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, well, I got baptized. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, well, I went to church every week. Well, I just grew up just loving Jesus. That, that, nobody's going to say that. Anybody in heaven is going to say, I was a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. One day it hit me. I was a sinner. I said, Father, God, save me. And he got me to Jesus, and Jesus had died for me. See, here's here's a thief hanging on a cross, and he's wicked, and he knows he deserves to die. And everybody there knows he deserves to die. And we don't know all the vile things he's done, but everybody knows he's done vile things. He's wicked. He's horrible. There's nothing he can do. He can't get baptized. He can't go to church. He can't give money. He can't be nice. He can't bake brownies. He can't do anything. He's just hanging there on the cross. He doesn't even say the right things. He just looks over and he calls on the name of the Lord. He said, Jesus, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus in grace, absolute grace, says today, 
thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's grace. That's grace. Let me explain this to you. Rob, God loves you because he loves you. That's all. Well, I did this. He didn't care. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you when you're bad. He loves you when you're good. He loves you. He loves you if you do, and he loves you if you don't. He loves you. He loves you, and he offers you salvation by grace. And you say, well, I've blown it. I wish I'd have done this, and I wish I'd have done that. He may wish you would have done it anyway, but he doesn't also, but he doesn't care. He loves you because he loves you. Isn't that wonderful? Say amen to that. It's not because you're some wonderful person who does wonderful things and, you're, and, and you've always, you always got it all together and everything. He loves you unconditionally. You don't, you don't earn his favor by being baptized. Well, I got baptized. That's great. That identifies you with a local church and, with, and identifies you with Christ, but that doesn't save you and it doesn't give you great favor in his sight. Well, I went to church. Listen, I'm telling you, going to church doesn't gain favor with God. Pray, you know, I pray every day. That's wonderful. But that doesn't gain you favor with God. Well, I fast. I have a brand new best friend in the whole world. You say, who is that? Yesterday, I was over at the Berkey's house, and Eugene Falsenchenko, I don't know how to say his name. I got it all wrong. Where is it? Falsen, Eugene was there. And Eugene said to me some very magic words. Eugene, I said, how you doing? We talked for a little while. He said, uh, I said, I said, I know you guys, and I pray for you. And he said, he, and we started talking about eating. And I said, well, I don't eat that, and I don't eat that, and I, there's certain things I can't drink, and we are talking about coffee, and, and uh, I said, I, I just don't, I don't drink that, and I don't eat that stuff, because my doctor told me not to. And then he said these magic words which made him my best friend for the rest of his life. He said, oh, that's why you must, that's, that must be why you're so thin. I said, this is an amazing man. This is a man I want to know better. This is an amazing thing. Look, um, you say, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but I just wanted you to know somebody said I was thin. We don't, we don't, gain God's favor by fasting. We don't gain God's favor by reading the Bible. We don't gain God's favor by caring for the sick. Are all those things good? Yes. We don't, get, we don't gain God's favor by teaching a class. No, these are our privileges. When we get saved, we get to be baptized and identify with Christ. When we get saved, we, we get to go to church and God pro provided a place where we can get together and enjoy one another and laugh together and, and pray together. We, we get to pray. We get to approach the throne of God. We get to fast. We get to read our Bibles. We get to find out what God thinks. We get to, we get to care for sick people and, and minister to others. We get to teach classes and tell other people about the great things. We get to live the way God wants us to live. We don't have to act holy. He makes us holy. Say amen to that. We need to understand this. He, his, his grace teaches us to live godly. We don't live godly to obtain grace. I want to say that to you one more time. I wrote this down, and I want you to understand this. His grace teaches us to live godly. We don't live godly to obtain grace. Paul said it this way in Titus. He said, for the grace of God that brings salvation, you got saved by God's grace, hath appeared to all men. 
And then what does he do once we get saved? It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What happens? You get saved by grace. He lives inside of you, and he says, now, here's how to live godly. That's just the opposite of, hey, you need to start living godly to get the grace of God. You understand that? We don't, we don't live godly to obtain God's grace because we have the grace of God. He teaches us to live godly. And so I live by grace. I am a called messenger and I live by grace. Let's say that together. Go to the next statement. I live by God's grace. Let's say it together. I live by God's grace. Not by good works. I live by God's grace. One more time. I live by God's grace. We need to understand that, that we are sent by God with a great message and we live by God's grace. Now, once we have the grace of God, he gives us the third word and that word is peace. We, we have the peace of God. Because we are saved by grace, we can have peace with God. The word peace means tranquility. Now, let me illustrate this for you. There's somebody out, this is you and me, we're out in the, in, in the, in the lake, and we're drowning. And we're saying, oh, 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 oh and try, trying to breathe, and we're trying to just, trying to stay awake, try, or trying to stay up, and we're going down, and we go down, and for the first time we come back, and we say, help me, help me, help me, help me. And there's nothing you can do, absolutely nothing that you can do. You don't have a lifesaver, you don't have a boat, you don't have anything. You're out there, you're drowning, you need somebody who in grace will come to where you are and save you from your mess. And you're just panicked and you're screaming and you're hollering and you're just, ah! And somebody reaches out of a boat, picks you up, and throws you in the boat. And you say, ah, 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 ah. And the guy says, calm down, calm down, calm down. And now you're in the boat and you have peace. Oh, oh, oh. You have peace because by grace, somebody came by in a boat and threw you in the boat. And now you have peace. That is what God does for us. He, by grace, brings the boat of salvation to where you are because you could do nothing. He reaches into your drowning mess, pulls you out, and says, boom, here, it's okay now. Jesus said it this way in John 14. <clears throat> he said, peace I leave with you, my, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. See, that world's peace goes away. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. It's okay. You're in the boat. He's in control. And you don't have to panic. He's in control. The Bible says that you have the tranquility of God. You have the tranquility of God. You have peace with God. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Romans 5.1. God says, therefore being justified, he has declared you safe. He's declared you holy. He's declared you justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not our enemy anymore. I don't have to say, oh, no, I'm unrighteous, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I deserve judgment. It's okay. He's not my judge anymore. In fact, we'll see in a minute. He's our Father. 
It's all right. You have peace. You have peace with him. He's not your enemy. Philippians chapter 4 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God, and the, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you are saying, okay, you're talking about peace, but I don't have peace. I'm stressed out about everything. I'm worried about what's going on. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my grandkids. I'm worried about the world. I'm worried about Biden. He's not worried about anything. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about what's going on in China. I'm worried about whether we're communists or capitalists. I'm worried about, I'm worried about everything. I'm worried about Facebook. I'm worried about, I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm worried. I have no peace. That's because you're not taking the prescribed medicine. See, God says you've been given peace. You're in the boat, but you're in the boat and you're acting like, I'm still drowning, I'm still drowning, I'm still drowning. No, no, it's okay. You have tranquility given to you. You have peace with God. He's not judging you. He's no longer against you. He's on your side. But here's what you need to do. You need to go to him and determine, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm giving this to God. And pray and say, God, would you take care of this situation? I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. I don't know what I'm going to do with this financial situation. I don't know what I'm going to do with this family situation. I don't know. What, God, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, thank you. God, I'm going to give this to you, and I thank you that you're going to take care of it. I'm going to totally give it to you. Let your request be made known unto God. And when you do that, I'll listen. When you do that, you're in the boat. You can say, oh, okay, I'm giving it to you. Look. Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The idea, Rob, is that I can take this care, I can put it on him. If he's going to worry about it, I don't have to worry about it. Oh, oh, why, are you, why aren't you worried about that? Because he's worrying about it for me. He'll take care of it. Casting all my cares upon him, and let him do the caring for you. I don't have to. I can have peace. People say to me, do you sleep well at night? You've got so much going on. How do you sleep? I sleep very well at night. I sleep very well. Every night when I go to bed, I just say, Lord, I tried to do everything you wanted me to do today, and I'm your messenger, and I'm your servant, and, and I just tried to tell as many people as I could about you, and I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. I can go to sleep. I go to sleep just that quick. I, go, I mean, you come into my room five minutes, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. I, I, I sleep so easily, I may be asleep right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, uh, it's, there's rest in him, and you can have peace because you're in the boat, and the one in control of the boat is watching over you. Number one, we, have a, we, we are sent. We are sent with a message of grace, and, we're, and because of that grace, we have been given peace. And listen to where it comes from. Listen to where it comes from. It says, you have grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Two words. Number one, our Father. Our Father. I love the fact that He is our Father. When you got saved, you were born again into the family of God. He is your Father. This is amazing. Look, my dad died when I was 10 years old. Until that time, my dad was a very strict disciplinarian. My dad was very strict about everything, and, and man, I was in trouble continually, always in trouble. I, I mean, I just was that kind of kid. I was not, I was, I was constantly trying to find something to do, and that's a dangerous child. And so I, I, in, in the fourth grade, 
in the fourth grade, uh, I had a, a teacher. My fourth grade teacher's name was Miss Faust. I was in love with Miss Faust. She wasn't my first love, but I was majorly in love with Miss Faust. And I wanted Miss Faust's attention, and I did everything I could to get Miss Faust's attention, and I got attention, and I got in trouble a lot. One day, Miss Faust announced in our fourth grade class, she said, uh, tomorrow is a special day. It's called play day. Every day every, every that comes, you, you, don't, you, you don't have to bring a lunch. You're going to come. We're not going to have studies. We're just going to have play. We're going to play all day long. We've got games going on all day long. I thought, this is amazing. We're just going to come to school and play. This is great. And then she said, listen, what we're going to do on this uh, on play day is instead of you bringing a lunch, you just bring a nickel, and a nickel will buy a root beer. And an, another nickel, you bring another nickel, and that'll buy a hot dog, and you can get a hot dog and a root beer for lunch, so you don't have to bring a lunch. I thought, that's great. And then the kids talked about the fact that the, the root beer is going to be root beer. It's going to be poured over this stuff called hot, hot ice. I'd never heard of that. And when you pour it over it, the steam comes up, and it looks like a volcano, and it's going to be really cool. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I went home, and I said to my dad, Dad, I said, tomorrow at school, it's going to be play day. He said, what? I said, it's going to be play day. And I said, we're going to go to school. We don't have to do any studying all day. He said, I never heard of such a thing. I said, I said we're, we, we go there and we play all day long. And, and he said, well, that's, that, when you go to school, you're going to, supposed to go to school to study. That's what you do. You don't go to school to play. And I said, well, that's what we're going to do tomorrow. And I said, and we don't have to bring lunch. He said, well, what are you going to do? He said, my, I said, my teacher said, all we have to do is bring a nickel for, and they'll, and they'll give us a, uh, a hot dog. And then we get another nickel and we get a root beer. My dad looked at me and said, we don't waste money here in this home. And we didn't. My, my dad had been sick. We were, we, we were very poor. And uh, he said, I can't get, I'm not going to give you a dime to waste on a play day at school. He said, you'll carry your lunch as you always do. And I said, okay. I loved my dad. I said, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. So I got my sandwich and I went to school the next day. The next day, at the beginning of the day, Miss Faust said, okay, everybody that's going to uh, buy, buy a ticket, uh, come up here and buy a ticket. All the kids went up and got tickets except for me. And she said, David, are you going to buy a ticket? I said, no, my dad told me to bring my lunch. And so she said, uh, okay. So I had my lunch. And uh, then we went out. We were all out, out playing. Well, I heard about this, this root beer being poured over hot ice. I wanted to see that. So I'm standing in line at Fay Heron Elementary School. I'm standing in line waiting for, to, and I have no money for a root beer. I'm just standing in line because I want to get up close and I want to see the steam. I could see the steam coming up around my friends' heads, but I wanted to be right up front. So I'm standing in line just to see the root beer and see the, the foam coming or the, 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 the volcano. That's what I want to see. I, I'm going up there. And when I got up there, before I, right before I got up there, Miss Faust said, David, come over here. Now, I'd seen that many times. I knew I was in trouble. I didn't know exactly why this time. So she said, come over here. So I, I walked over and I said, yes, ma'am. She said, she said, David, why were you standing in that line? I said, because I wanted to see the root beer. She said, you don't have a ticket for the root beer. I said, no, ma'am, I just wanted to see the root beer. I wanted to see. She said, David. And then I noticed there's a girl sitting next to her. I think the girl's name was Jennifer. I remember her name because I'm bitter. And, uh, and she, uh, I, 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 she said, she said uh, and Jennifer's crying. I said, I said, what's wrong? She said, well, do you know what's wrong? I said, no. She said, somebody stole her ticket for the root beer. 
I said, well, I didn't steal it. She said, I said, oh, in fact, I asked her, who, who stole it? She said, well, you tell me. I said, I didn't steal it. She said, why were you standing in the line? I said, because I wanted to see the, I wanted to see the volcano. She said, David, tell me the truth. I said, I didn't steal it. And you need to understand, my heart is broken. The woman I love <laughs> is accusing me of stealing. And I'm thinking, what? And, I, and, I, and she said, I want you to go over. To, and she told me to go stand someplace. And instead, I ran home. I ran all the way home. Got all the way to my, to my dad's house. When I got in, and when I got inside, I opened the door. And my dad said, David, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in school. And I started crying. And I told my dad what happened. He said, oh, I can't believe that. He, he said, you come with me, son. And he grabbed my arm. I said, where are we going? He said, to school. I said, oh, no, my dad's going to spank Miss Faust. <laughs> he took me back to the school, and he had a conversation with Miss Faust, and he defended me. The kid that's always in trouble, the kid that's always getting in trouble, he defended me in front of Miss Faust, Faust and told her that his son may do a lot of things wrong, but we don't steal. We may not have money, but we don't steal in our house. My father did that because my father protected me. I want to tell you this. You have a father who loves you. You have a father who protects you. You have a father who cares about you and won't let anything happen to you that's not good. When you got saved, you were born into the family of God. And look at this. First Peter says this. Peter said this. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. This is so wonderful. This is just an amazing verse. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Listen, what he says here, this is just absolutely amazing. (laughs) What he says, Ron, is that when you got saved, you were born with an incorruptible seed. It can't be destroyed. You've got a seed that cannot die. You were born again forever. At the moment you got saved, God gave you everlasting life. It is totally and completely incorruptible. You can never lose your eternal life. Say amen to that. That's amazing. You got born into a family that cannot be corrupted, where you will live and abide forever. Why? Because the seed that was placed in you is an eternal seed. You become a child of your father the Lord Jesus Christ, God. So I want you to say this with me. I want you to say, I am a child of God. Let's say that. I am a child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. Understand what that means. He's there. He's on your side. But not only that, the Bible says, Paul says, he is our Lord. Now, I love this, this statement. He is our Lord. Next point. He is our Lord. He is our, the word Lord means, comes from a Greek word, kurios, it means master. He's our master. What does that mean? He means he owns us. I love this. This is just amazing. He loves us. He will not let us go. Look at verse 4. It says in Galatians 4 that he gave himself for our sins. Who gave himself for our sins. That that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. This is amazing. It's, it's an exchange. Here it is. I want Dave Tice, but Dave Tice has got sin. And so what God says, and I'm going to take the most valuable thing in the universe, and I'm going to exchange it for Dave Tice's sin. I'm going to give myself for his sin. There's nothing more valuable 
in all of the universe than Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, here, I'm taking the sin and I'm giving my life to you. Wow. That makes you pretty important to God. Makes you pretty special. He delivered us from this present world. The world does not... He's not going to let us go. He paid the ultimate price. The idea is this. No one can outbid him. There is no one who can pay more. You go to an auction and you say, $100, uh, 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 $150, a two, uh, a three, I'll give give four, I'll give five. Then somebody says, I'm giving the entire world, every bit of money in the world for that thing. Nobody can outbid them. That's, Paul, what Jesus did for you. He said, you're so valuable, I'm giving my life. And what he got in exchange was your sin. And he died to pay for your sin. It's an amazing God. What an amazing thing. He did that for us. You are of great value to him. You're more valuable than anything. He gave it all for you. My sins are gone, and I am secure forever. Say that with me. My sins are gone, and I am secure forever. One more time. It's just so true. My sins are gone, and I am secure forever. Then he goes on to say, he delivered he delivered us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. Now, you've got to catch this. That's the beginning, but now he's delivered us. He's delivered us from this present world. The world, that means, doesn't control me anymore. Nobody can come along and say, you deserve to die. No. Here's what Romans says. There is therefore now no condemnation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. God says now nobody can condemn me. Nobody can look at Dave Tyson and say, look what he's done, look what he's done, look what he's done. There is no condemnation. I am clean. I'm delivered. I don't have to be controlled by sin anymore, and sin cannot condemn me. In fact, Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. He said, I can do all things through Christ. I can handle whatever Satan throws at me. I can handle it. You can handle it. That's what he's saying. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't have to feel like you're defeated. You can accomplish the goals that God has placed in your life. You you can accomplish anything because you're a child of Almighty God. In fact, Psalm 37, 4 says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. The desires are, that you have in your heart are God-given desires, and God wants you to dream. God wants you to go for it. God wants you to be all that you can be, all that he wants you to be. In Acts chapter 2, this is a promise that Peter quotes from Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That is, they'll, they'll preach the truth, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dream. God wants you to dream. God wants you to have visions. God wants you to go out and do Do a work for him, and whatever it is that you want to accomplish, he wants you to go for it because he set you free from this world. Say amen to that. That's what God wants you to understand. 
I want you to say this with me. I am free to accomplish my God-given dreams. Let's say it. I am free to accomplish my God-given dreams. One more time. I am free to accomplish my God-given dreams. God wants you to understand that. That's what God has set you free to do. And he wants you to represent him. The last word that I want you to see in this passage is the word glory. To whom be glory forever. Amen. It's not about me now anymore. It's about him. I live my life for him. I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do next in my life. And you should be doing the same. Glory. God has given us glory. God wants others to see his glory in me. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm living to, to let others see his glory in me. And I want you, Paul is saying, to let God, others see God's glory in you. That comes when you fully understand his gospel. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the Bible says, We know this. This is a true statement that all things are working together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? If you love God, say amen. amen. That all things are working together for good to those who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for you, and he's called you to that purpose for whom he did foreknow. He knew you before you got saved. He also did predestined. He knew you were going to get saved, so he had a plan for you to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's making you like Jesus so that you can represent Jesus wherever you go. In fact, that is the only hope that the world has is Jesus in you. Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter 1. He says, to whom God would make known the riches of his glory of, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's your neighbor's hope. Christian, your neighbor's hope is Christ in you. Mary, your neighbor's hope is Christ in you. Your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, your family, the hope they have is seeing Jesus Christ in you because you are the representative of Jesus Christ in this world. Liberty Baptist Church is here to manifest the glory of God. And you as an individual, wherever you go, you are the hope of the world because when they see Jesus in you, when they see his joy, his love, his peace manifested in your life, Samson, then they have hope because they're seeing Jesus Christ. They're not seeing Samson anymore. They're seeing Jesus Christ, and there's hope in Jesus Christ. Say amen to that. That's what we need to understand. We need to understand that, that we are the only hope. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians and saying, hey, listen, don't get involved in some false gospel. Understand the true gospel. Understand what God has made you. You're a messenger of God sent forth to proclaim grace and for, to, to, to announce peace and to let the glory of God shine through you. So we come back to the very beginning. I am a messenger of God to deliver the great news of salvation and I will fulfill my purpose. Let's say that. I am the messenger of God to deliver the great news of salvation. I will fulfill my purpose. One more time, and let's say it like we mean it. I am the messenger of God to deliver the great news of salvation. I will fulfill my purpose. Let's pray. Father, help us to be the messengers you want us to be. I pray for every man and woman and child that's trusted you as Savior today that they will, they will live that message before their relatives, their friends, their families, where they work. God, may people see you in us. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, 
be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.